Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, and I'm with our Sales Champions Roundtable members today. And uh, we're fortunate to have Kathy Connor from Unipac. We have Brian Wendig from TBP Converting. Mike Bonner from Quinn Construction, and we have Ashley Owens from Ashley Assists. These four folks are going to have an animated conversation about what they do and how they do it that has led them to be considered sales champions. So without taking too much time to talk about them, let's go in and listen to them talking about what makes them sales champions. My name is Brian Wendig. Uh, our company is based in Phoenixville, PA. I am in outside sales, so I cover Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, South Carolina, Alabama, and Georgia. Our company sells to end users, so we partner with companies like Dow Chemical, 3M, and we fabricate their products to an end user from the transportation market for a truck body to curtain wall when you see a uh, commercial window going into a building all the way to insulating glass where the glass is put together. So we try to be a one-stop shop for a lot of our customers. And the one tough thing is there's 3M, far, there's 3M companies on every single corner, it feels like sometimes that we run into. Mm-hmm. So we try to be a little bit more of a value add and actually know the products instead of being someone you just email in and say, yeah, we'll take these three products, just send them to us. We want to know substrates, what you're sticking to elongation, all that. We try to be a little bit more and separate ourselves from the competition. Good. Kath? So my name's Kathy Connor. I work with a company called Unipac, and thanks to Bill, um, I that's how I got the job. I was at a job that I was miserable at, and one night, <laughs> Bill, one day Bill called me. He's like, let's meet for drinks, and so I went to the bar, and he's like, are you happy doing what you're doing? I said, no, I'm not. Bill had said that I have a client, that sells packaging and they're looking for a salesperson. Are you interested? I'm like, yes. You know, I didn't care what they sold. <laughs> like I needed to get out of the job I was in. Uh, so Unipac manufactures folding cartons. I like to say they're the pretty cartons. We do a lot of work in the cosmetic and health and beauty industry, candy industry. So think of diva bop, chocolate boxes. I go out and, you know, my 10 second elevator speeches, I go out and find companies that make a product that goes into a box. Mm-hmm. And I cover... Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, um, New York. I used to go up back when I first started up to Long Island all the time. And okay. yeah, it's a different animal up there. But it, you know, I just wasn't winning anything because there's so much competition up there that do what we do. And um, so I just, I phased out of going up there. And we, now we have a new guy. He's, he's like, I'll go up. I'm like, have at it. Go to Long Island. <laughs> yeah. That's what new guys do. Yeah, or a new right. girl. <laughs> or a new girl. Yeah. So I did it, yeah. So, there we go. Dr. Bonner? Oh, good morning all. Mike Bonner. Um, We are, uh, I work for Quinn Construction. I do the uh, marketing, sales, and business development. Um, Quinn Construction is not exactly as glamorous as it might sound. We do the repair and restoration of masonry and concrete structures. So that could mean, 
problems with or leaks in a downtown center city facade, brick, stone, granite, what have you. I'm sorry. No, you're good. And, uh, or it could be um, uh, a very typical uh, candidate would be like parking garages, which uh, few of us actually pay any attention to other than not stepping in anything yucky or what have you. But the whole thing, floor, ceiling, walls, beams, is all concrete and nobody's ever going to knock one down. So there, um, in my previous life, I was always conditioned in the in the concrete world, doing sales and design. That the only repair is removal and replacement. Little did I know there was a whole industry of high performance, high strength mortars and concrete materials that could make it stronger than it originally was. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I meet with engineers all the time. Uh, I would probably weigh like 120 pounds if I didn't have to go to breakfast, lunch, and dinner with an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the price you pay, you know, I guess. Ashley? Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Ashley Owens, and I uh, my title is I'm a networking concierge. So what that means is my clients will go to networking events, and they'll come back with all these cards, and they'll never follow up never put those people into a CRM system, and that opportunity to collaborate or cross-promote or engage goes from warm to cold very, very quickly. You guys are all in sales, you know how fast that happens. Um, or they go to big events, like conferences or trade shows, and they walk around, talk to five or six people intimately, and not really utilize the entire space. So my job is I take those cards my clients get, and I put those people on their calendar so they don't miss that opportunity, and then I go with my clients as an extension of them at these events to work the room in half the amount of time and double the amount of applicable business cards. So my job is to do the networking activity that breeds the results of building a network. So think about it from a perspective of I'm looking for strategic partners for my clients rather than going out and selling for them. So for example, a real estate agent and a, uh, a divorce lawyer are fantastic strategic partners because they share the same clientele. So that's my job is that I go out and I identify the right events. Um, I speak at conferences. I train sales teams. Um, I've got two digital talk shows, so I'm, I'm about the education on networking in general. And um, I, have, I, I have a podcast as well, but that's on hold, but I'm glad I get a chance to be here. This is great. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm very active in that community, and I, I try to educate as much as possible. So um, the way that I do that is, is through the, the medium of, of uh, film and television, but I end up getting a chance to speak at conferences around the country, so it's exciting. What is the difference between sales and networking? Sales and networking. So when it comes, so at least my interpretation, because it can be interpreted differently. I think networking in general is a personal activity. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and so is sales. The sales has a, a transactional approach to it. There's a different follow-through with it, but... With networking, it's a marketing opportunity, not necessarily a sales activity. So I kind of, you know, how are you branding yourself? How are you educating your audience? How are you representing yourself in a way to build the know, like, and trust factor? And then with sales, that's put it this way: networking and sales go hand in hand. They do. They there there is a gray area because there's some certain activities that jump into the sales, you know, funnel of how to close a deal. Um, but the networking sets you up for that home run, which is identifying and being able to to close deals and, and to, to bring in revenue. Um, but I'd be curious, since I live in a different space, what you guys think that also looks like. I, one of the things, I'm just going to put this out there. Sure. Uh, having done trade shows for many, many years yeah. in a few industries, I've noticed that a lot of times great salespeople are not effective at a trade show. No. And no, the <laughs> I, I, it's a whole separate podcast we could do is yeah. just how to prepare for a trade show or a yeah. conference. But I think the networking aspect becomes much more important at a trade show or a conference than it is in the day-to-day -day life of a salesperson. 
But there's a certain in, you know personality trait of a salesperson that's so fascinating to me, and I, I mean that in the in the most genuine uh, sense that there is a finesse, there's an artistry, there is a research, there is a the process that I find to be different for everybody, which is always so interesting. So well, they don't know what I know just from your website. Ashley's a DI disc style, oh, which is almost ninety percent of your sales organization is. DI, Kathy, you, you get that. So that's a blending of uh, a little bit of risk taking, uh, definitely a sense of urgency with relationship building. And that's where she's stepping off from. Hmm. Pulling the curtain from me, huh, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I yeah. have a question for you. Sure, oh, so sure. in, in terms of the digital space, yeah. and again, for all of you to chime in, most of this happens on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. How do you surf LinkedIn and you find this contact? I don't know this person from Adam. Right. I LinkedIn. She's going to be a great contact for me. Right. What do you do as a group to take this nebulous person in the ether mm -hmm. and convert that into a legit contact or a legit, even a phone call to move from the digital world to the real world. Mm -hmm. Just ask. And, and, and it's the ask. And I, please, yeah. you guys, I can talk, I do this all week, so I can talk all day long. Please cut me off. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, the, it's the ask. It's the difference between a 50 cent ask and a $50 ask. So the $50 ask is saying, hey, I'd like to come in and talk to you, blah, 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 you know, and being very, very direct. A 50 cent ask is saying, I'm really interested in boop, 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 boop of what you do, how I would love to learn more about that aspect, and hopefully maybe I might be able to make an introduction or two. You're going into it very much like I want to learn more about what you do and I want to give value rather than what I can particularly sell you or what my services might be able to help you. The only goal is to get the meeting. So however you do that has to be genuine from a human behavior aspect. That's how I do it. Um, prospecting on LinkedIn can be difficult because people go and do a lot all the time. Um, but I know that what works about 65% of the time for me, which I get interview uh, introduction calls every week, is um, if someone connects with me, they're opting in for some reason. They're, that Think of it as a lead-in in, in general. Um, I have the privilege to connect with them. Everybody that I connect with is a privilege. So open the door up for a meeting or for an introduction phone call, which could be 15 minutes, is the best thing I could do in that space so I can learn maybe I might be able to make an introduction, help them, or build some networking equity. At the end of the day, they may not be a good fit for me to work with, but I know 13 other people that I'd be happy to make an introduction to that maybe I have referral agreements with. Maybe that they are looking for uh, an event and then how, what are they saying after uh, we leave the conversation? It's the only goal in networking is if they're talking about you positively when you're not in the room. Can I just offer a comment because um, what I'm hearing is Emerson's Law of Compensation. You get what you give. And the fact that Ashley can take a possibility that may not be on point for her, but she can expand it into opportunities to give, which according to Ralph Waldo, it's all going to come back. You want more, give more. And I don't know what the rest of the sales champions that are here with us today are doing when it comes to lead gen or prospecting on the front end. and. To John Navicus's point, are you using LinkedIn? Is it a good tool yeah. for you, or are there other things yeah. that you're using? I work from um, on the days I'm not out on the road. I work from home, yeah. and I have LinkedIn on 
all the time, all day. Like it's, I'd pop it up with Outlook, you know, at the yeah. same time, and, and Salesforce were on. And so I, I find, so I look at in, uh, so my contacts, I look at the comments that are posted about them, or, and I look, oh, who's that person? I've never met them. And so I will go on to their profile page and send an invitation to link in and I'll send a quick a quick little note. Most of the time people accept. Most of the time people accept without replying to my note. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. So but that's okay. Um, that I use that as a catalyst for my next e either email or phone call to them. And it has I, I don't have the exact percentage, uh, but it, it works out in my favor. It's um I I've done it enough times to realize it's not a waste of time to do that. Yeah, and, and the, it's the template and the ask is very much like, I'd love yeah. to set up a networking introduction call or just an introduction call. Yep. And I think that the template that I, I'd be happy to share because it works, um, the template that I use goes from like, this is not a sales call. I'd love to learn more about you. We, I have the pleasure of connecting and that's the initial, you know, initial part of that. I'd be curious with you guys as far as, since you're heavily in data in, in the sales process, you know, Kathy had made a point about how, you know, LinkedIn is such a huge, you know, big part of how you prospect. How are you, how are you guys also prospecting? Because you're all over the place in, in the country. Uh, Brian, right? Brian, yes. yes. Sorry. Uh, Brian, so how, how are you, how are you prospecting? How does that happen for you? Because you're, you're not, you can't go to every networking event. It's not like you're going to be a part of an organization. How do you do that? Well, actually, you bring up a great question, too, with the LinkedIn yeah. and how do we use LinkedIn for networking, lead generation. I use it for both, almost a personal uh, growth as well. Mm -hmm. If I see something that I find inspirational or very intriguing from someone that one of my friends commented on or a colleague of mine commented on, the, I will actually call the person. I won't send a message on LinkedIn because okay. I get them all the time. And I feel sometimes that they're computer generated yeah, to me that personal. this person had sent this email to everyone out there. So I will pick up the phone and actually call the person. And I ended up doing that with a gentleman I saw on LinkedIn. I called him. I said, I just call you out of the blue. Do you have five, ten minutes to talk? He said, sure. I said, I'd like to know what good books you're reading right now because it was some great information you had on there. It's not someone I talk to all the time, but we send little notes back and forth. So it was um, warm. What books? So that was a warm lead already, if you want to call it a lead. Sure. Okay. And I was honest with him. I said, I saw your post on LinkedIn. It, it, it was a great read for me. I was wondering if you had five, ten minutes to give me a little advice on this. And I'll do the same thing with customers. A lot of customers will put new projects out of what they've done. And if I see it and it's a great project, that's how I'll do the cold call. I'll call and say, I saw your project through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I'm all about being open and honest with people. I think that's what they appreciate and that someone's interested enough in their network and what they're doing and is giving a call to fill them in on what they liked. It's so important, or at least I've recently realized that you know the, the lack of follow-up or at least the lack of research that a lot of people do is so is so crazy. And and I recently had, I host an event every other month, the Pyramid Club, and this, this I gotta say child because he's 22, but it's, this kid came over and he goes, Ashley, came to my event and he was a referral from somebody, he goes, Ashley, I just, I, I know that you're working this event, but I just, I'm so inspired by your story. I was like, oh, okay, maybe this guy, whatever. He verbatim 
went through my entire website and quoted back to me really important parts and wanted to deep dive into some of the things that I was working on. And then he, he asked me questions about things that happened years ago based off of his research into some things that I had been doing. And it was the most profound conversation I had with this 22-year-old who runs this nonprofit. And I will talk about him to the, to, to the nth degree. Now, in addition to that, did he not only come to the event, the next day he told me why the event was beneficial to him, who he met, and how grateful he was. And then I had this email was so great that the next day I was like, what do you need? What can I possibly help you with? Because it was so profound. I gave him 30 introductions and he is now part of the next Cocktails and Conversation where I'm sponsoring him to be there. I got him on my TV show. Like, I wanted to give him my firstborn because <laughs> it was so good. And I've had, I've done this for a couple of years. I've never had any adult, and I'm saying like anybody over the age of 30, 50, whatever it may be, has ever done that so beautifully. And I found that to be, I'm changing the way I'm following up because he taught me something. And so that was, like, to your point, like, it's so important. <laughs> and I talk to people every day, and I network professionally, and I don't get that kind of personalized you know, stuff. Just interject here yeah. just about Brian, because so um, the personal side of it, I remember, it's been a couple of years ago, we were having a conversation, I was consulting in his com the company he works for, and he said, well, you know, there are days during the week that I'm, I'm I don't want to try to, paraphrase what he said, but it was like, I'm not all in the game. I mean, I'm just not, I need some motivation. So I go and I watch TCU The Grind. And I went, what? And he said, TCU The Grind, do you know that? And I went, I don't know that. That's been part of the repertoire now for, I don't want to say rookies, but early on career salespeople because when you see that, how long is it run? Two minutes? Two, two minutes and 30 seconds? And the backstory, it's about TCU, the Texas Christian University. Oh, thank you. Who had a crappy baseball team. I don't know how many years ago. And for some reason, somebody got their head out of their you-know-what and got their act together. And this video is just a review of how they changed. And like the next year, they were in the NCAA championship and they lost to, I'm forgetting who they lost to, but it's like, are you kidding me? And it's it's all about going right through the grind it, from the alarm clock going up. You remember saying that. And it's like, he does that. Not only does he find things like that, but he passes them on. And that's what I'm hearing when he's saying he sees somebody and it's like, Tell me a little bit more about that and exchanges the personal stuff, which all of a sudden changes the whole dynamic between Brian and a possibility. Now, I don't know what you do prospecting-wise. How, how do you network or are you one-on-one -on -one referrals or what are you doing, Mike? Uh, obviously, uh, LinkedIn is, is uh, a key resource to know who is where. Uh, when it comes to the companies you're interested in working with, um, we also are ha have great strength in a lot of our industry events. Um, and to your to your point you made earlier, Bill, as far as uh, you know your network, uh, you might find yourself at a lunch table with a bunch of people you hadn't met in an industry event, and uh, you find out what they do and 
this person's in recycling and this person's in something else far miles miles away from your the industry that you work in and um, I, I don't I don't let that discourage me at all I'll, I'll, well, I'll make an exchange you know we'll exchange information um, I'll support their network and however whether it's LinkedIn or what have you and um, you know again whether it's a somebody that that will mesh with with your industry or not uh, I encourage people to um, Build the network. Be 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 the person that get uh, you know make make sure it's a two way street. Right. You know, and it will pay dividends. It definitely will. Uh, I find myself uh, doing it more times than not uh, for for let's say a month. Uh, maybe I've made some referrals, introductions um, for some minor you know work for someone, and next thing you know. They're they're bringing me into a meeting with the president of the company who's in on a national you know national meeting of theirs and there you go the opportunity uh, could be a, a potentially a national thing so um, I don't let it discourage me uh, building the network is key it will it's it's not going to let you down. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, you've all been in roles of this nature for, for, for a long time. You're very, very experienced in what you do. What has been the biggest change prospecting the last few years that you've had to adjust based off of you know what you've already learned? Accessibility, I think. Yeah. Um, prior uh, to being in sales for folding cartons and packaging, um, I was in, I used to work for a commercial painting contractor. Oh, and I used to uh, I, I used to call on hospitals and uh, colleges, and I used to find the maintenance office. And at hospitals, I always knew you could find the maintenance office. You find the smokestacks, and then the maintenance office is right there. <laughs> so I would walk in. I would never walk in through the front door. It would always be through the back door. I would just show up. Hi, I'm here. And sometimes I'd get, Kathy, for the love of God, like, I can't see you right now, but come on in anyway, that sort of thing. Um, and now... You can't even get through a front door hardly anymore without at least having an appointment. Yeah. So um, it, it, those gatekeepers are, um, I don't know, more they're they're just tougher to break through. Karens of the world. <laughs> yeah, the Karens of the world. It's always Karen HR. Just like no, I'm yeah, gonna uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, every now and again, I'll just stop. And enough. I still knock on doors yeah. every now and again. It's is it as effective as it once was? No, no, absolutely not. But I'm if I'm, you know, somewhere out in Timbuktu and I see another company that looks like they make a product that goes into a box, I'm certainly gonna yeah. stop. So how do you yeah. how do you navigate that space then? So how did you adjust? What was the lesson learned? Well. Um, and it could be working, you know, yeah. I'll go on LinkedIn. Okay, who do I know at this company that, or who knows somebody at this company that can get me in? Um, and, you know, good old-fashioned emails and phone calls. Nice. It so. sounds to we, me. We've also had some surprises. You and I and Teddy went on a call in North Jersey to a pharmaceutical yes, company. Yes, we did. We tried to put that out <laughs> in of life. <laughs> my yeah, life. In front of her, where it's, it, it looked like one thing to Kathy, and I'm, I'm just going as the... Yes. Coach, consultant, 
with, with her boss and yeah. her on this call. <laughs> I was brand new. And as yeah. soon as we went into the parking lot, it was like, oh boy. Yeah, this is like, I like was driving ready. into. Uh, well, what part, I'm from North Jersey. What part of North Jersey? It was, it was, a new um, was it spring something. Yeah, um, the spring's a little it was a huge pharmaceutical. We like Merck. Yeah, it was a huge um, pharmaceutical company. And I went in not prepared for the level. <laughs> Oh. Of um, crazy that is North you crazy prepared that for security. I was like, I'm call. like, yeah, they wanted your driver's license, and again, I was brand new in this business, and I, I was learning, still learning the ropes myself. Um, anyway, we get there, and Bill came as a consultant. It was my <laughs> boss, uh, Teddy, and myself, and yeah, getting through security was a whole thing, and then we sit down in this very. Huge conference room. Yeah, huge conference room. More people than you can imagine. I, you know, I'm thinking, all right, we're just get to know you type meeting. That's all. Just have, where's the coffee? Let's just chit chat. And this guy came in like, what do you do? How do you do it? What do you do it? And um, I, all eight questions answered, I didn't know. So, and I don't think Teddy knew. So Bill no. knew nothing about packaging. Is answering all of our questions for us with this guy. Oh <laughs> the iPad didn't work right. Oh and it's my like, God, it's, yeah. And everybody anyway. was walking out. It was like. Google Earth would have been a good tool oh. for this one oh, because yeah. we had no idea that it's there's probably 3,500 employees in this yeah. huge it, conference. I'm completely unprepared uh, yeah. as a sales as a, at that time I was a seasoned sales per person, certainly not in the packaging industry, but seasoned, yeah. and I was not well, prepared. I, it was I, a lesson learned. I didn't throw it out there to make you yeah. Yeah. go. Yeah. The but when you when you posed it. the question, how have things changed? Yeah in the last few years yeah. and you just think about whether it's trying to find the maintenance office in a hospital and now with HIPAA you just don't wander around yeah. a lot anymore no matter where you go or whether it's pharma now where the, the game a lot of little places aren't little anymore for and, sure you know yeah. I don't know if you run into it in, in your world well the, the big thing with that is I look at the amount of emails I receive in a day and then if I'm going to I'll never email someone for the first time to try to set up an appointment if yeah. I have to I will yeah. but I I like the phone yeah there's just so many emails that I receive in the day and if I don't know the email address I'm really questioning if I'm going to open it or not right. unless it's from a trusted source when the phone rings I'll pick up the phone and I'm I guess I have a sensitive spot because I'll listen to a sales rep who wants to talk to me. I'll always give them the thirty seconds to all salespeople are that way. Say their pitch. Yeah. We're and, like, you got you. And that's why I'll always pick up the phone that way. And I don't think that'll ever change for the one good thing is people answer that phone and want to talk to someone on the other end of the line that's gonna help them. Brian, you bring up something and, and I go back to Kathy's comment on changes and there's so many gatekeepers that you encounter in the sales world today. It's almost like you have to come up with a code to break the gatekeepers. I know there's a lot of major retailers in this country. A, you can never get a person on the phone. If you do, just randomly hit extensions and luckily enough get someone and ask who is the purchasing manager of a particular category. The answer will usually be, we don't give out that information which is mind-boggling, but isn't part of what you do in sales today trying to figure out a way around <laughs> the gatekeeper? Yeah, no. yeah. I think you mentioned, was it Brian, you mentioned networking or Kathy? I mean, you have to network your way in with somebody that you know in a different department. I mean, have you encountered this in your experience? Certainly, the, certainly the security, the security is necessary in today's world, uh, kind of ramps up that challenge a bit. 
you just can't let Joe's Joe Schmo walk through the door and and not know everything about him, or somebody within your organization should know something about him. Uh, you know that leads you down the path of if you don't get an invitation or or, or at least make a call uh, to set up an appointment, your chances might be slim. Yes, and the one thing too, John, you're talking about with the gatekeeper. Maybe it's my industry specifically, but I usually talk, get a person 90% of the time, a receptionist that'll answer the phone. And I look at it as my, my aunt's actually a receptionist, so I think I'm talking to my aunt mm -hmm. as this is going to be someone that can help me. And people want to help others. Bill, you taught me that great yeah. lesson when I first started out. And instead of telling them what I need or where I need to go, I tell them I need their help and say, I need your help. I am looking for the right person to speak to on these products to set up an appointment in the future. Would you be able to help me get to the right person to talk to? And just, I feel like people are you know, at heart so good and they go, yes, I can help you. I know who to send you to. And he said it sounds just that, that way. And earlier before the recording started, I was saying to Brian about a new person that they have there who's struggling to get past the gatekeeper, which I don't really think is the goal. The goal is to get through the gatekeeper. I, I want that relationship where if I call back, it, Mary or Brenda or John is going to help me and not just go, oh, here's this pain in the neck sales guy again. Mm -hmm. But to say that this, this new fella, talk to Brian because he's the magic man now when it comes to asking for help and almost getting an advocate on your side to help you navigate a real difficult business challenge, you know? And talking about the small things of just different things. When I am calling someone, I'll have my pen and paper out usually unless I'm driving. But for a first call, I usually have pen and paper. If the receptionist says their name, I will write that yeah. down. Mm -hmm. And when I have that first meeting, I use their name when I come in to hand my business card. Because yeah. yep. they're just as important mm -hmm. in the industry for helping us set up the meeting. I think it's great when you can use them on a first name and it's genuine it's not something I looked up on LinkedIn and have never spoken to them before well, that's one of my strategies I'd like to do it's good. It's hard. I always found that because if, uh, if my phone rang and my assistant was somewhere or refused I would I would pick it up and even if it was somebody who was calling trying to get to me it takes me like 30 seconds to figure out that it's actually the person I was trying to get a hold of and now now what do I say because they expect what you know, a gatekeeper or somebody yeah. who's going to make that process really, really difficult. Yes. Yeah. I had one of those situations in where I actually got the person. I wasn't right intending to, yeah. but I had talked to their executive assistant because I had left the messages. And nobody called me back, and the assistant had said to me because I wasn't trying to get around her. She said, "Call back. Call Friday morning." And he usually takes the Wall Street Journal and goes, whatever, and he's back by 20 after 9, call him then. And, when, and I called him, the guy answered the phone, and he was like, how did you get me? And I said, I don't know if you're going to laugh or be angry, <laughs> but, and I told him the story. I said, I don't know, I've left, and your assistant said, call him Friday at mm -hmm. 20 after 9. Because he was shocked. Yeah. I used to be the gatekeeper. I was a personal assistant to two celebrities in New York. 
and my background was you nobody got to them nobody could get to them and because I was young and I was an idiot and I when I was working with these people you know the goal that's kind of how I got my my networking and and all that jazz kind of put together because you had to know everybody because if there was a, a, a something you needed to do like shimmy a piece of furniture down the side like you'd figure it out there wasn't any way that you could you couldn't say no so when people were disrespectful to me in some way I knew that they had to get to my client like they weren't getting to my client yeah. but yeah. The, the doorman who had a question for me who was wonderful and kind and whatever it may have been of course they got whatever they wanted because that was it's a human be it's a human instinct to want to give very much to the point um, but I remember and I kind of take that into my business now of, just like that kid Jerry that came up and, and did it without any prompts, just did it because he was foundationally a better human being than mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people. It, it was, what do you need? I can give you whatever you want. I, let me see how I can help you. And and that came from just the kindness. I mean, not like, to your point, going, you know, not over the gatekeeper, but going through them. Going through them, um, yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people you know, just forget to do that. Um, being an executive assistant is tough. It's a tough job, and you gotta like break that down, and you gotta make sure that people that are getting through, because it's your butt on the line if it's not a good call. Yeah. Um, and you're always in trouble for everything. So it's. <laughs> so, let, let me throw some. Go ahead, Joe. As I say, what you learn when you've been in in business for a long time, especially the sales arena, is oftentimes that gatekeeper is in line to get a promotion to be the the person you may want to speak to in the mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. yep. Early in my career, I learned that you just don't take the buyer to lunch and the buyer's boss, you take the assistant yep. buyer, because the assistant buyer is the one that's going to connect you to the buyer. It's in your in world too. several yeah. cases in my career, that assistant buyer elevated to store president mm -hmm. at a major mm -hmm. retailer. Do you know how meaningful it is when you see that person 20 years later and in the middle of a big meeting, they go, yeah. John, I remember you taking me to lunch when I was a trainee in the sales <laughs> department or in the yeah. purchasing department. So always remember that that person. Treat them with respect. Assistants you know, run this country, let's be real. Yeah, like they, exactly. they run this country. That's the only way people get things done. I would just want to throw the idea out of planning because how do you plan around these kinds of activities. How important is it? And I'm not, it's not a setup. I mean, you guys are good at what, and gal, you're good at what you do. How does, how does planning fit into this whole networking kind of a thing? Planning around activities? Or Could be, or planning around schedule control, or how active you need to be, or when you need to be. I think Michael said it best. Yeah. I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with engineers. It, it, <laughs> takes, it takes some sacrifices on, on your time to do that, but it's all worth it in the end. Yeah. Uh, you could probably go in more about and, doing that. And real quick, to John's point, uh, I recognize, I see and recognize the young engineers. Uh, oftentimes, they're, they're the, the little letters after their name is EIT, Engineering Training. And you know what? They go to lunch with me, and mm -hmm. they go to the ball game with me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you're 100% right. That's, that's, that's a great thing. And maybe sometimes that's a blind spot for us. That we, you know, we're busy, and we're kind of feeling good, finally getting through, and go away, kid, you're out of the brush. <laughs> you, know, you don't really say that, but maybe you just don't protect that relationship 
the way you but should. But they got to earn it. Let's be real. Not every kid is going to, you know, actually have this stuff to, to, to be a good human. Like, I've met some really, like, again, I've met some really fantastic 22-year-olds coming out of school and being like, oh, I'm really hungry and thirsty. Like, I want to learn. You've got the other 22s who are like, I can do whatever I want. And sharks mm-hmm. and going into it. I'm like, you haven't been kicked in the teeth long enough yet. You haven't mm-hmm. been kicked in the teeth yet. Like, I want screw up a couple times. Like, be embarrassed and stop... Be, like it, it drives me crazy. I've had 18 jobs since I graduated college. I've been kicking teeth a lot, <laughs> and I I'm prideful in that. I like that because you learn something from that. I was also raised Irish Catholic, so I'll keep it in my stomach until I stroke out. But <laughs> I think that there's something to be said though about somebody earning that respect, and that can be trained if you're bringing these kids to or you're bringing you know these these um, junior level associates to these events. Are they coachable? Are they trainable? Are they are they aligned with the same values and morals? Do you see something in them? I think that speaks to a lot because at the end of the day, I mean, you don't want somebody coming in and, and your reputation is the most important thing you have. And if they're representing you, then they need to be in that kind of space where they've earned that like that respect. I, I find that to be you know. Let me ask you a question because it comes up to me a lot about millennials and the change in the pace of play and you know I just had a conversation with your boss yesterday about well why he graduated from college in 2016 and this is his fourth job and it's like well the first two jobs were in a restaurant uh, and then the first real job was uh, with Allstate Insurance making 400 calls a day and you know maybe he decided that was not a good fit you know so but then the other side of it is, well, this millennial generation, you know, they're they're yeah. not going to stay anywhere. What do you guys think? I mean, you're working with them, and or are them? I am. Yeah. Well, I can I can only speak for myself. But the 18 jobs, I've never gotten fired. It's always been mergers and acquisitions and budget cuts. Did my job and I did my job well, and it was still not enough. Check the boxes, did what I had to do. I worked at companies like eBay Enterprise. I worked for a company that gathered data for oil and gas, sold custom software, worked for a millionaire in Philadelphia. I desperately wanted to stay in one position for a long time to have that security. And unfortunately, that wasn't in the cards for me. Um, but again, like, you know, you work very, very hard, and in certain corporations, you're, you're a number. And because I was in a support role, sometimes when they had budget cuts, that was the first thing. So my background is, is a little bit different, but I can intelligently speak to different industries now. That was the value add, which is why that I had to start my own position in order for me to triple down the strengths that I had. Um, but in the millennial culture, I never quit. Like, that wasn't something I wanted to do. I wanted to stay someplace. What I'm finding now with the younger generation is that they're seeing that there's opportunity out there. But again, I had to get coffee and make $5 an hour, you know, in the freezing rain in, in New York City. Like, I would be up at 6 in the morning. Like, I grinded. I hustled. I did what I had to do. And I, I never I, I paid my dues. And I don't think, depending, and again, you guys, please, I love your opinion on this. I don't think sometimes the younger, younger generation that's like, I think I'm just going to do SEO and, like, you know, just make a website and just be cool and blah. I'm like, okay. It Did you like do Cousin research? Eddie and Christmas vacation. Yeah. Now he's yeah, waiting yeah, for yeah. the management job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Good luck with that. But like, and then you see the kid, and you see that the, the students that are coming out, they're working hard, they're doing a good cause, they know what they're doing, they do the research, and they don't, you know, ask you stupid questions like, how do I build a website? You Google it. Like you do the research, so I, I just it just it just depends. I'm on the other. How, how many stops did you make before you wound up where you are? 
this was my first job out of college. Was it really? Yes. Oh, wow, and you cool. love what you do. I'm I not do. putting words in your mouth. That's great. I mean, did you find a home? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you really like yeah, what you're doing? Yeah, I do. I really enjoy what I'm doing. How many stops? Ooh, uh, probably not quite 18, but yeah. probably at least a half a dozen. Yeah. How about you, Mike? But you always worked. You yes. always worked. Like, always that's worked. something to be said about I, that. You always I, worked. My, so my mom passed away when I was 12, and my, we have, I'm the last of seven kids. I have a twin. and I started babysitting at 12, basically. So That's why you worked? Say, yeah. yeah. We've just been... It's what we do. It's what we do. It's what you do in your soul. Yeah. In your, in your blood, in your bones. Yeah. How many stops? Uh, probably somewhere towards a dozen. Oh, and right. I can tell you that. at least two to three of those were to make less money looking for the opportunity and and knowing that I was going to somehow spin it into gold or as much gold as I could. I think too with the the millennials when we talk about one LinkedIn's out there so there's so many more job opportunities yeah. you can see but I look at it from a different view as you're always going to have people that are you get them and they don't follow through they're not the right fit for you they they don't ask they don't go and build the website on their own as you said Ashley but how about when you get the right people mm -hmm. we have to make sure that when you have the person that is here to spin something into gold and willing to take less money to trace a dream or a vision that we take care of those people and we know what we have in them I rather spend all my time with that one person yeah. And the, the 22 year old that you met, I would yeah. want to spend all my time with that person yeah. and make sure that they don't leave my company right. and I'll succeed. And then if I have to bring in six more people and only one's the one that's going to work hard, yeah. I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm going to make sure I keep that one and keep building. And that's how I think it works with millennials. Yeah. Not every, I look at it as an advantage because I'm in that category. I look at it as an advantage sometimes that, okay, if we're saying 95% of us aren't following through, sending the follow-up emails, what if you're the 5% that is? Mm -hmm. You can really change the game for yourself. Or they haven't been trained. They haven't right. had the right manager to train them. Taking and care like of half the, Exactly. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges I had. So these great corporations, I have the security and the managers... They were, I mean, I was extremely compliant. I was a very compliant kid. I was a very compliant person. And I, my voice wasn't heard. Not that I wanted my voice, I didn't know my voice could be heard. I worked in entertainment coming out of school. Like, basically, you, you sneeze and you're fired. Like, there wasn't, there was, and that's just how it was. Um, but to, to, to have a manager to, to train and to mold is like being a, a, a player on a team. And I resonate a lot with that. Like when you're together with a team, you're all working towards the same goal and you have a coach that you respect, but that respect is earned. Like it's just, it, I guess, depends on how you're brought up, depends on what resonates and what triggers a good emotional response from you. But that having a manager that just provides that value from the get-go and says, I'm gonna train you, we're gonna work on this together, we're gonna have uh, the same goal, then you're working together and it's not like you're their boss. I think that's, that's so valuable. Yes. Ashley, Brian, you bring up a great point and, you know, Kathy and Mike, you as well. The reason you're at this table is you're that 5% yeah. or even 1% or 2%. You are the person that can deal with the millennial, the Gen X, raise production. You're, you're superstars at what you do and that's why we're here to have this conversation. So. Yes, you embody a lot of the, the things that you need to do to make people great. Let's talk for a minute. What, what's made you exceptional at what you do? Go ahead, Brian. You know what? I have 
I think back to when I was a kid and my father did sales of metals and I would hear him oftentimes from the phone on the phone from home making calls and, and I'm 10 12 years old I'm thinking there's no way I could ever do that there's no way I, I just didn't have a lot of not su not suggesting he was being uh, any less than truthful but it just seemed to be for lack of a better word kind of artificial and I just couldn't ever see myself there's no way I just I, I was convinced at 11 years old there's no way um, I also know that I probably couldn't knock on your door with a vacuum cleaner I'm not that guy <laughs> <laughs> but if it's something I believe in something legitimate um, that I can get behind and uh, you know I see true value in it and maybe that makes me uh, maybe less than you know some professional that could go sell you know anything but uh, but you you got to take it into your heart and, and, and do your research and know uh, have a good approach to it uh, you know if you try and be the fast talking da 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 uh, guy you're you're gonna you're gonna you, there's a small target small small portion of the world is willing to listen to that so I think sincerity being genuine and um, for me the last thing is I'm kind of the, the same person whether it's during my business day as I am at home like I, I wear that that suit all day long all day every day uh, I don't know that it's necessarily by choice maybe I just program myself to be that person I don't know Yeah, well, the stereotype we all see growing up of salespeople doesn't encourage anybody to ever want to be one. You know, but the things that you're talking about, uh, being genuine, being honest with people, being yourself, um, that works because that comes through in every sales call you ever make. Yeah. People know, like, and trust you. Right. They build that with you very easily. There's also, I think, a, there's a characteristic, at least from what I've seen working with salespeople for so many years, you really you have to love what success looks like for a salesperson, which is not, I mean, it's, you're in it for money and whatever, but you're also in it for making a difference. I mean, to, to just have sell somebody, you, you don't get satisfaction out of that. But I think for most salespeople, you're in a position to make a difference. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, $100 difference, or I was meeting with a guy, do you remember Jeff Brown? from years ago, he was part of PDE, and he worked at West Pharmaceutical and whatever. And yeah, yeah. Now, when, when you're talking to somebody who says, you know, I'm 63 years old, whatever, and when I close the deal for $3.2 million with 3M, which is what he did, and it's a two-year commission payout or whatever, it's like, that's why I, I love this business, you know? And I think yeah. that's kind of a common thing with, really good salespeople. They, they love they love the satisfaction of helping people. Right. I don't think it's about doing it because it comes easy to them. No. There's no way no. that cannot be the case. Yeah. You know, ice cubes in the summer, that's easy. Okay? Yeah. You don't see people doing that. What's the driver then? What's all of your drivers to do what you do? Your motivators? Obviously, I need to eat today. I know. So, that's one. What's one thing? Not necessarily the top one, actually, <laughs> but close second, probably. Certainly providing, you know, family, little food and shelter goes a long way, yeah. uh, kind of thing, you know. But, uh, you know, being successful is, is uh, 
delivers pride to yourself and you want to be respected and be respectful and all those fun little adjectives that come along with that. <laughs> what about you guys? I genuinely like people. Um, I, re I really do. So, I mean, there's just a few customers or prospects that I deal with that I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> just give me patience when I pick up the phone or go meet with them. And I think that's typical for everybody. Um, what they teach me is they teach me as well, um, uh, probably about patience and, and, and so it, it works both ways. But, you know, just you have goals. I like to travel. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I just I just try to do the best I can. You know, Bill always had this saying, and I th for some reason I've thought about this, you know, you're gonna, you're a trained killer, Kathy. And I always remember you saying, I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm just not gonna be, ever be that trained killer. Um, <clears throat> but I get what, I, I understand what you were saying. Um, but, you know, I just, I'm not, a, I'm a trained liker. You know, like, I just like, if you wanna do, I'm at the point now, if you wanna do business with me, great. If you don't, I'll go find somebody else, so. But I think don't don't ever stop saying the train killer to the, to the young pe young folks. For me, it, it just didn't apply. But well, it's like a mission, you know. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and Brian was on a mission just to try to get his head around prospecting. And you know, the success is not so much closing the sale as making progress toward that goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know what you guys do about goals. I mean, we're talking about motivation and planning and prospecting. Mm. What do you do about goals at the level you guys are planning at? Are they given to you? Do you set them? Do you have a stretch goal? Do our company, Unipac, we set them together. I'll sit down with our my sales manager and this is what we did last year. What do you think you're going to do next year? So we. He's usually up here, I'm down here, and we can <laughs> find a happy medium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it works. So, and But it's always agreed upon. He, I, I do not work for a dictatorship where it's, yeah, next year you're going to get X or else you're out. That's not the way it is. Oh, that's fun. What's that like? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, it's for, for me and my yeah. personality, it works. It it's works for well, me. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's great. Because I don't work well with, yeah. You're up here or you're out. I yeah. just don't. Except that I've had a conversation with you um, where it's close to the end of the year or whatever period, and you've said to me, I'm, you know, I've already made it or whatever. So, I mean, it's like there's a conscious awareness of how important it is. Yeah. Or your boss saying, yeah, I can't believe it. She's already there, you know. Well, that doesn't... <laughs> Didn't happen very often prior well, to. Well, Brian's last few world years. is always about yeah. last year. It's like he's fighting Wall Street. Fair. Yes. I mean that's just the way that organization works. It's like how many points above last year, and all of a sudden there'll be a month or a quarter that kind of goes, and you see it in his eyes. It's like uh, I gotta get, I gotta get back. I gotta scramble back to get ahead of last year. Yeah. I don't know about your organization or actually what you do for goals. Or Every uh, goals every day, and it doesn't have to be with closing. I suck at closing, which is why I network. So, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm not a good closer. Never had it. I'm not that. I'm not that. It's not my skill set. So I triple down on everything, but um, which is why it's it's working. Um, but the d I have taken some sales training, which has been helpful as far as negotiating different you know criteria. But the goals have always been, or at least when I used to work in a very metrics based 
environment when I was selling custom software or doing IT services, whatever it may have been, it was very, very stifling because my I like working at marathon lengths rather than sprints. I talk at a sprint level, but I'm good at marathon lengths when it comes to clients because I think it takes time to engage. Um, my goals are daily because if I think five years in advance, things could com seriously change as they have for the past 10 years. So if someone asks me, what did you see yourself in five years? Healthy, some food in my belly, not homeless. Like that's, you know, the baseline. Mm -hmm. And anything above that, I'm good. Because things change so rapidly and I have no idea what's gonna happen, but I have goals of, I want to be successful in this space. I want to make sure that I am capable and confident enough to ask for that. I want to make sure that I am giving enough value to people in a way that makes me fulfilled. So it's more on how much money am I making every month? Can I sustain it? Do I have to take on another job? Like there's always things that I'm not, not I'm never above anything. My goals are I work very hard to not check the boxes anymore. So running my own business is a constant learning experience, but it's it's I'm not going back to anything else. I can't. I won't. And so the goals are daily, if that makes sense. How about you, Mike? Uh, being in the construction industries, uh, you're always looking for, everybody's always looking for growth, quite frankly. It doesn't matter whether you're in the construction industry or not. Um, so certainly the bar is set by last year, hopefully, and um, that you're looking to surpass it this year. Uh, our company in particular this year is actually looking to grow above and beyond normal one office growth. So that's a whole other challenge. Uh, could potentially be in another area, another state. We don't know that for sure. How much growth are they looking for? How much you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it could certainly be doubling in size in another in another area. Uh, yeah. More coverage. When you're a, you know, service with materials company, you can only take that show on the road so far before the travel and, uh, you know, our hourly pay and whatnot kind of make it uh, beyond, you know, reasonable levels. So um, that's, that's, a, that's, that's one we're, we're, we're looking at right now for this year. Well, starting that process this year. So again, our growth is looking to be more than typical. How we go about that is um, uh, the people we deal with typically are engineering firms, which many are regional, oftentimes they're national. So our hope is to kind of spread our wings with their wings. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's obviously the, those routes are, are established uh, just putting ourselves on those roads to get down those routes uh, is going to take a little time, but uh, bottom line is relationships with those folks. Let me, let me ask you a question. we got about 12, 13 minutes left. Um, time flies when you're having fun. If we just go around and, and just for a minute uh, kind of tie things up a little bit, talk about your biggest challenge right now in from your world and you know, I'm going to leave that wide open to you, but let, let, let's just go around there and we'll st start over here with Brian. What's your biggest challenge right now? Sometimes it's myself. Okay. And it's because I want to see results faster. Everyone wants to grow faster. And a couple years back, I really had to change my mindset 
you look at your numbers and you say, okay, I want to get to this amount in sales. And you want it to happen overnight. And the problem is a lot of people, and myself included at that stage, didn't realize what I had to put in work-wise, where now on my sales side, actually looks really boring what I do, because I do the same type of routine every day, if it's reading 10 pages each day. So maybe in five years, I don't know where I'm gonna be financially, but I'm gonna be very well educated and well read yeah. on, on reading. If it's making sure I have at least five times I pick up the phone and call someone new each day. I'm not saying it's gonna get me where I need my sales numbers are, I'm going to be at 100 cold calls made at the end of that week. And it's the day-to-day -day things of just doing the small tasks mm -hmm. over and over and over. That I don't know what the future is going to hold with. Is my sales next month going to be up or down? But I know that, and I believe in my method, that for success and the challenges, I have to keep doing the day-to-day -day small things that are going to add up. It's kind of like climbing Mount Everest. You take one step, you look back, you're not very far. Climbing Mount but Everest. May, but maybe a year later, by taking a step a day, you look back and go, wow, I'm actually a lot further than I thought. Well, you're man. with the Summit Club, so you're yeah, in the exactly. right spot. Yeah. <laughs> Mount Everest, and that's Brian Wendig. Kathy really Connor, what do, you, what do you think right now, your biggest challenge? Right now, it is new, landing new business, um, getting new logos. Um, my, exist, my existing base has been uh, very lucrative and, and doing a great job, um, but I, I need new new blood. And but to to your point, I you know it's the behavior every day. I go back to a cookbook and I've been getting back on that and just networking and calling customers. And I don't you know I've learned asking customers for referrals doesn't always it's they they clam up so i ask them now who are some of your vendors so in my world who are your corrugated vendors who do your labels so i find out who those folks are i reach out to them and you know, network with them and they have passed on leads and and introductions to me that way so i've shied away from directly asking customers for referrals and introductions because nine times out of ten they just clam up I, I don't know but I'll keep you in mind that sort of thing so um, I, I'm trying to reinvent new ways of getting new customers and landing new business so th Mike. those tactics have helped um, Mike Bonner well unfortunately Brian and Kathy took a lot of my answers <laughs> but um, you know the, the common terms that come up uh, are things like networking and introductions um, you know, building that network, building your uh, your clientele numbers. Um, I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to involve uh, you know with more social media kind of things above and beyond LinkedIn. Um, uh, since I'm responsible for marketing, business development, and sales, uh, it's it's on me. Uh, whether that's uh, you know with various softwares, I'm uh, you know I'm. Just now breaking into like the Instagram with our company page, new to me, probably old to most everyone else. But um, you know, exposure to to uh, and, and you know, making contacts and connections to build that network so that they think of me. Maybe not necessarily first, but in the top three. That's yeah. my that's my goal. So um, we depend on other folks to invite us to uh, bid projects and. Uh, uh, you know, it's not all about taking somebody to lunch. It's that you know, performing proper, 
uh, you know, making yourself available, being that that good, you know, the, the good guy, quote unquote, um, having a good team behind you, and uh, again, making sure that we're getting good exposure, keeping those network lines flowing. Ashley, scaling and saying no. My two biggest challenges. Scaling, because I'm a, I'm a person of one, and I keep everything very close to the chest. Again, Irish Catholic. But uh, I just hired a virtual assistant who is constantly asking me for work. And she's <laughs> bugging me to ask her. She keeps bugging me. And she's brilliant. And she's wonderful. And she's 100% right. And it's a more of a mental thing than anything else. So scaling, she's taking over two big processes that I put together that I'm managing her on. And she's doing a great job. And so the, you know, saying no to things, you know, in the very beginning I did a lot. I will say yes to a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Like, I do most things for food and coffee. Like, let's be real. So when I'm getting asked now to go and travel to speak at a, at a thing and, and there's no compensation for it, I'm now hesitating to do that because, one, I, I now live by myself. Um, it's going to be a process where I have the, the motivation to ask for the money because I've earned it. I've got two digital. I've got stuff that qualifies me now now it's all in my head to be able to say oh no I'm worth it and this here's why here's what the market's saying so I have to turn myself into the product and see myself as the client and so my challenge is making sure that I am reminding myself from a lot of the consultants that have been yelling at me to make sure that I am um, advocating myself in a way that is valuable and I know it is <laughs> but it's hard to be like, no, I've, this is how much it costs, and mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back down from that. You're not UNICEF. You're um, not giving it away. I'm not giving it away. <laughs> but again, if there's coffee or food, I'm usually gonna do it. <laughs> but, um, but the goal is, if if, if you come and, and you're asking me to train your teams, you're asking me to speak. This is my profession. This is how I eat. Um, so scaling and saying no is okay. uh, much of biggest challenges. For uh, a wrap up, John Navickas. I was just wondering for you guys, for people that are listening in right now, whether they're lower on the on the totem pole or even higher up. Can you just give them a couple thoughts each to add more to this conversation where they can kind of get some more rubber on the road out of that? Uh, yep, yeah, I got one. This one I use often. Nobody, can I curse on this thing? Go ahead. Nobody gives a shit about what you do. Nobody cares. Good. Brian? I would say if you're higher up, remember to put yourself back in your shoes of the people starting out. Remember the questions that you had and spend the time with them. Huh? Just be kind. Yeah. Mike, be the best listener you can be. It's there not all about you. Know. It's not all an information dump. Right. So for Brian Wendig, thank you. For Kathy Connor, thank you. For Mike Bonner, thank you. Ashley Owens, thank you. Thank you. Rick, do you have anything to close? Any comments or? No, I thought this was really, really good, and uh, I think it's uh, evident to our uh, people listening to this why you guys are all here. You're all terrific, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank JT? Great. Well, it's great to sit with superstars, and I, I heard so many great ideas, but one thing I heard was sales training. And when you want to be a sales superstar, you realize the gift of gab doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. As you just mentioned, two ears, one mouth, listen really <laughs> well. And there's no such thing as a born salesperson. Mm -hmm. I heard sales training mentioned several times. It's an educational process. Use it. John Navickas. No, it was a great day today for everything. I think there's a lot of valuable information. My big takeaway from this was the idea of when you're meeting with a client, take care of everybody, mm -hmm. not just the target 
take care of the assistant, the person that gets the coffee, everybody right down the line. Because in 10 years or so, they might be your target. And if you kind of put them to the side, they're going to remember that you put them to the side. Do you have a final? I do have one final thing. I have Peak Performance Plus on my resume because I value it. I know, I know, uh, just as John said, it's not just a gift to get to get you through the day. It's putting uh, a process in place and using it daily with every call. Well, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to check out the summitclubpodcast.com website for other episodes that cover a variety of business issues and ideas. We really appreciate the sales champions being with us today and the opportunity it gives us to share their stories and their uh, activities and uh, skills and approaches. Uh, Maybe some of that information will help you in your sales career. Keep in mind, the Roundtable provides all kinds of business consulting services. Right now in our stay-in-place, stand-in-place scenario with the pandemic, we're in virtual world and we can certainly do a variety of things to help you in your career, from one-on-one coaching to training and running sales meetings and other um, events that you may have to get your team through this transformational time. So, um, if you like what you hear, tell somebody, a friend, associate, your boss. For myself, Bill Stats, for Rick, for JT, and for John, the entire Summit Club team, here's to your climb to the summit. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.